Hello. Hello. Hello, Dan. How are you? I'm doing well. How are you? I'm um, very well. Are you having a good afternoon? Yeah, pretty good. Pretty, pretty good. Pretty good. Hmm. Did you have lunch? Yeah, I had. I uh, had uh, a. Uh, you know, the Whole Foods they sell like a part of the rotisserie chicken. You can get like just the like the leg and the the thigh. So it's you know, leg, that. thigh, a breasticle. Yeah, yeah and, and no breast. And then you, then I no have breast. some string beans, and they hang have on, hang sushi on, hang on. You're, you're pretty you good. dark meat man, dark meat man. Yeah, exclusively, exclusively. Well, huh, huh, huh. Oh, oh Dan, why don't you white meat? Uh the hor- preference, the horrible taste. Oh, hmm. The horrible dryness, the disgusting taste, the repulsive texture of the meat, the vile disgusting overall quality of all white meat of any kind of bird. Okay. But do you have any opinion on your preference? For no, I'm not really sure white? why I feel that way. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. That's interesting. Most people feel the other way. I'm a thigh man. I when you say most people, you mean by, by default, the 51% of the population that is female. Wow. Is that what no, you mean? No. Because I've never met a man who likes white meat. Wow. Have you had a lot of coffee today? No, I don't drink coffee. I haven't had it for months. Okay. You ready to start the show? Anytime. Wow. Did I, did I do something? No. Okay. You just brought up a topic I'm quite passionate about. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm actually super, super interested uh, in this. Um, I've had, I, feel... I've had, I thought I didn't like chicken for years because all they ever gave me was white meat. Right. Because of women. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one um, woman, my mom. Dark <laughs> she, meat likes, she only likes the white meat. Yes. <laughs> Tried to raise me like that. Some people are very, very specific. Like, I think there's children that like what's come to be called the tender, which is when you tear off the top of the breast and there's that shiny, lengthy piece underneath. Yes. That's, that's very tidy looking. I mm-hmm. think a kid likes that. I think the shreddy aspect of chicken might freak some kids out. Oof. I think a lot of kids like, like a drumstick. Now, especially with the turkey. With the turkey, man, woo, I will always take the dark meat. But uh, yeah, no, I, I uh, yeah, I, I, but it's super interesting. Took my boy I, I to not, the I, Renaissance Festival last year, and they sell these turkey legs. Oh my god! And he, he devoured that turkey leg. That thing was amazing. It's huge. It's <sighs> huge turkey leg. You just sit there eating it like a, like a Renaissance person. <laughs> it's the best part. I think that's see that's one of those. I think that's a little bit of Renaissance inflation. I think of that as being more medieval. I want to find you this great photo. We went to this really squirrely arts festival in Sausalito. So freaking weird. And my daughter really wanted a turkey leg. I was like, oh, honey, you know, that's that's novelty food. She got this turkey. It was the size of her head. And it was maybe the best piece of turkey I've ever had in my life. Wow. It was... I think it was it was like smoked, like slow mm, smoked. Yeah, where it's got that kind of. Some people don't like this, but when it's got that, when you get dark meat that's smoked, it gets that not almost purpley kind of look. You know what I mean? Where like smoked meat has a certain. It was so freaking good. We could finish maybe a third of it. We were, we wanted to get a good spot for Todd Rundgren, and uh, <laughs> and so we we couldn't eat the whole thing. I uh, I'm getting a smoked turkey for Thanksgiving. Picking it up tomorrow. You going to the Whole Foods? No, no, no. A legit. Oh, you're in Austin. You get special turkeys there. Yeah, there's there's a great place here. Should I should I name drop it? Should I mention it? They, have they paid for the spot? No, but I mean, shame let's on give them. it to them on the strength. Uh, yeah, yeah. Noble Pig is the name Noble of the pig. Uh, of the place. Noble Sandwich, Noble Pig. I think it's interchangeable, but they do amazing, amazing sandwiches, and they also do like the most 
awesome. Uh, at Thanksgiving time, they do hams and they also do turkeys that they smoked and uh, getting one of those this year. So all I have to do is heat it up. No, no cooking, no brining, none of that nonsense. Mm-hmm. And uh, this one, I will eat. I will eat some of the white meat because it's so good, like you're describing. Yeah. Yeah. Ah, the white bread, chicken breast, though, like a chicken. All my mom grew up. She'd take the chicken breast. She'd you know tear it up and put it on the salad. Ugh. Ugh. I can't take it. It's the worst. That's so interesting to me because I feel like some people f- say the opposite because of the texture, but also because they think the dark meat is too gamey. That actually, the people who don't like white meat tend to say they think it doesn't have much taste to it. Mm, that's that's true. It's, it has no taste. It, the only taste is the dryness. Tastes like chicken. Ugh. But the dark meat, I, you can't get gamey enough. I mean, a quail. Give me a quail. I'll take a game hen. Oh, I love me a game hen. Oh, a venison. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you sent me some really, meats. You remember when you sent me meats? I did. I did. I think it was a welcome to Austin gift. Yeah, I ate all that up. Uh, my wife has a great chicken recipe. I think I'm trying to. It's a famous chicken recipe. It might be Thomas Keller, but it's the simplest recipe in the world, and it turns out flawless every time. The key thing you got to get the temperature right in the oven, but you also want to get one of those air dried chickens, which they have at the uh, at the Whole Foods. I'm not sure why this is, but they taste it tastes more like food than like regular farm chicken. Like I'm I'm not a pill about this stuff. I'll eat whatever people put put in front of me. I I eat garbage if it came with sriracha. But the <laughs> um but but you get one of these air dried chickens. I want to say it's like Annie's air dried chickens. They sell them at uh, Whole Foods. If you, can I just mention in passing? Funny thing when my wife wants to tell me she's stopping by Whole Foods, she abbreviates it as WF, and I always think that she's going to get food at Wells Fargo. And it confuses me. <laughs> she did it today. She's like, oh, I just found out the uh, the Wells Fargo is going to be open on Thanksgiving. I was like, what? Oh. So I'm not super smart. But basically this recipe, you get that, it air dried, and then basically it's, I think it's just, might be just kosher salt. That's all you need. And it's so good and it crisps up so nice. It's, uh, it's I'll see if I can find the recipe. It might be Thomas Keller. I want to say Thomas Keller or uh, I'll find out. I'll find out for notes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I, uh, we got a lot to talk about this week. We have so many things to talk about. Yeah, we do. Yeah. We, uh, can, I, can I go over a few things here? Yeah, go ahead, Colin. Just, just toss out a few ideas. Sure. Um, let's see. Uh, well, I mean, one thing I, I prepared a little bit for is – uh, we don't. We won't get to this just yet, probably. But last week you were mentioning about how uh, you and Cash had just finished reading Harry Potter. Yes. And you ask our listeners for suggestions for similar books that y'all might like to read. In, together. Indeed, got so many wonderful, wonderful recommendations too. So I've I've um, got all those suggestions and I put them all into show notes, so oh, that's wow. all available. Great, uh, Dan. Dan, in as much as you're uh, able to say, where would people find show notes for episode 299 of your Back to Work show? They can go to five by five TV slash B as in books, two as in the number, W as in water, mm. or white meat slash two ninety nine, and the the links are there. Look at you. Look at you. Hmm. <sighs> I'm in fuego. Do you want to put that one in a preview, maybe? Yeah, I'll do that. I'll do it right now. I don't even do, need do a reason. Do a preview, and that way, it gives away some of the stuff I want to talk about. That's okay. No spoilers. But uh, that way, people are listening, and they see. And, and I try to find, 
In some of the cases, they're a series, so I often link to the box set, but it's it's pretty easy to just click through. You can find it. It's enough to get you started to find if these titles um, tickle your uh, your interest bone. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Tickle on the interest bone. Yeah. So we got that. We'd like to, I'd like to get to that in the fullness of time, talk about that. We've got, you mentioned you might want to talk about watches. I got a website to recommend. I got stuff about my ankle. And yes. uh, I have something I wanted, an anecdote uh, that I wanted to talk about. I'm Which tweeting. I'm first. tweeting that uh, that people can go see it in in preview mode. I'm tweeting, clicking. I ran across this website. This is just this is up above nothing, but I thought this was such an interesting site. I ran across this on uh, somewhere in my RSS feed. I don't know where this came from. I think this is such an interesting site. It's called Diffin, D I F F E N dot com. What's Diffin about it? Notes. What's different about it? It's baseball players today. They got a lot of funny names. Compare anything. Yeah, and so I also linked to the about page to explain a little bit. And and it's it's a kind of a neat idea. It's just you enter in two things, two <laughs> concepts. And it does the best that it can to explain the difference. Now some of these are, are more curated, but like for example, I went in and said, What's the difference between a monkey and a chimpanzee? And it did a pretty good job of like saying, Okay, tail, no tail, that kind of stuff. Hmm. What do they have in common? How are they different? Oh, I it didn't work for every yeah, I just thought it was an interesting, you know, what's ROM versus RAM or whatever. Like, you can go in and it will do its best to um, to tell you something interesting. Look at this. You see number four there, cold versus flu. What is the difference? Now, this Ooh, one, they've really tricked this one out. Don't show that to uh, to John. Yeah, I know. I know. I know. It really upset him. Oh, boy. The next episode, we find out the thrilling conclusion of whether John has mold in his house. <laughs> oh, God. He had a He had a ranger come out. And, uh, and, and, and sniff around. Very interesting. A ranger. Interesting is that like a, like a bloodhound or something? I thought we should name him Daryl, but uh, we went with Jason. And uh, yeah, he's a guy who comes out and tells you whether you got black mold in your house. Have you ever looked into black mold, Dan? Yes. I have experienced should... mold from my Florida days. Yeah. I mean, my futon turned black. You should uh, go Google, do a Google image search on black mold. Black That's a fun thing to do. Mold. Yeah, just real quick. Black, black mold. Black mold. Black mold. Let me Welcome tell you about a uh, stack of bodders. That's <laughs> <laughs> what it's called. That's black black mold. Stachyosaurus? Stack of bodders. Yeah. It's asexual, oh. Merlin, just like Morrissey. Ah, la, la. <laughs> yeah, that, I, I had this mold. This is my I old friend from Florida. And she seems so cold, <laughs> asexual as black mold. La, la, la. <laughs> there was fuzz hanging from my ceiling fan. I'm a lonely man, lonely man, lonely man. Ah. <clears throat> now, how come when I Google this, there's a picture of a dude in a hazmat suit in a room that looks completely covered in the black mold? How does it get that bad? Like, how do you let it go? Uh, I don't know. Maybe you go to lunch in Florida. You come back. You got black mold. There's a toxic mold syndrome. Mm. With uh, it shows. I've got. I've got to send you. Yeah. No. I, I'm into this. I've got to send you this particular photo. I'm going to send it to you in the in the other robot. Oh, here's black mold on. Uh, oh, it looks like an insulation. And it says toxic like mold syn- kind of a- syndrome. Cognitive. You get headaches, okay. light sensitivity, poor memory, difficulty finding words, dulled concentration. I, li- I like that hairstyle. I think that's a cute hairstyle. It's style. a 90s thing, I think. It is. It's kind of like a don't steal my sunshine type Das situation. Len, L-E-N. 
Oh man, I bought that CD. It's terrible, but I would listen to that song over <laughs> and over. It was a great song. The video with them riding their little scooters. Best part of that was that they sampled that one song. They sampled that song, uh, "More, More, More." How do you like it? How yeah, yeah, like yeah. It? What was with but all the talking uh, in the back? That Karen, I love you. Yeah. Why did that wasn't necessary? Wow, you got a good, nice pull. I used to drive around in my rental car going to my dot-com job when I first moved here. I was listening, nah, nah, me, if you're still my sunshine. That was, a, that was a good song. The bass line and the little catchy, yeah. You know what? That's a strong tune. I'm going to put that in show notes. That's a good song. That is Len with Steal My Sunshine. Now, the version that's on Spotify, like Merlin, seven, it doesn't have the yeah. chatter, the background chatter. They've taken that out. Oh, no kidding. You know, that was a nice thing in the 90s. Weezer did that. Hmm. Len, steal my sunshine. That's a cute look. I don't know what you call it. You call that a pigtail? What do you call that? Yeah. It's it's like the girl has taken her she's given herself little nubby nubby horns or or little bear little bear um little bear paws? Yeah, I don't know what that hairstyle would be called. Yeah, I'm a sucker for that look. Kinda like pigtail buns. Pig pigtail pig, buns. buns. Have you got black mold? Put it up on pigtail bonds. When it's lice season, you really want to put your hair up. That's important. So we got black mold. That's on the next episode. Um, we, we uh, you know, I might as well let it out of the bag. We finally talked about free will. That's coming out next week. Oh, that's a big one. You want to talk about watches? My and of ankle. course, there is no such thing as free will. Well, I'm not sure it matters. That's the problem. Hmm. Hmm. Should I? I should listen, and then and then we can talk about it. Yeah. Um, let's see. Oh, jeez, I don't know. We're having a fun episode. I don't want to talk about anything serious. Seriously, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, I'm selling stuff on eBay like crazy. Oh, that's terrific. What kind? What kind of stuff are you selling? You know, old stuff. Stuff yeah. I stuff I'm not using anymore. Like, um, over the years, we experimented with lots of different audio equipment, little preamps, and. Other things like that, the black magic video cards, video cameras that we stopped using, old like uh, but really good quality like backpacks and other things that I just had in essentially just taking up space. Somebody's going to want it. This is the amazing amazing thing is that I've already sold tons and tons and tons of stuff. And the last time that I used eBay, I was getting like scuzzy terminators for my spark station you know like it was a long time ago and it has changed are they sponsoring the sh- grace are they sponsoring grace, the show grace bring me the ebay file uh, the american express <laughs> but they they have done such an amazing job of making this so easy to do like if if you have not used ebay i don't know when it got really good but it's really good it's really easy to list stuff when you're when a sale is done you can um, you, you basically like sends them a detailed invoice of it. You can print packing slips. You can get the postage and print the labels right from within eBay. It wow. makes it so simple to. And there's all this stuff that I had. I'm like, ah, no one wants that old thing. And like, oh, really? There's now a bidding war on it, and I made an extra hundred bucks. Okay, <laughs> you know, no it's, kidding. It's really cool. It's really cool. And the stuff you would think that the kinds of things that you would sell. Like the things that have been in the most demand, there's like an old uh, Tom Bin. I had a couple Tom Bin bags that I got years ago 
that I just, you know, I, I for whatever reason, stopped wearing them and stopped using them. And I just had them in my yeah. closet and I put them up on this. Immediately bids. There's bids happening on it for a lot of money. It's crazy. It seems, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess when you really think about what eBay is and you think about the, whatever, I want to say economies of scale, but it's really economies of interest or right. a long, long tail of interest where like there's somebody who wants that thing. Um, I, you know, I've bought a few things off eBay using the buy it now thing. Yes. Well, I mean, I know this can't possibly be true. I think the last thing I remember buying on eBay, I know this isn't true. I bought a Weezer shirt on eBay in like 1999. <laughs> and I think that's the last thing I can remember. I bought the classic like green Weezer shirt. I think I also got a pavement shirt. I got, I got a classic pavement shirt, also green. That's nice. Maybe I only buy green shirts on eBay. That's all you need. But see, there's a, there's a market for that. There's- we should have that uh, Schenker Fredonian guy. We should have the Hidden Brain guy discover why it is that I only buy green shirts yeah. on eBay. Yeah. That guy's got a lot of turns out. You ever hear him on the uh, All Things Considered? I have heard him. Oh, dear me. Turns out. He did a double, he did, a, he did like a quintuple tr- turns out because he talked about broken windows syndrome and didn't even mention Malcolm Cladwell. Well, mm. Remind me what broken window syndrome is. Well, Shankar Vazanya could, could probably explain it better than I, but it is, uh, it is the concept that, and just wait until the end, people. Don't email me. But <laughs> there's, there's some people that wrote a paper in, I want to say, the 70s, 80s, where uh, – I can't believe how contorted this got. The original example was if you have a car – you have a car parked, an ident- two identical cars. You park one in a good neighborhood. You park one in a bad neighborhood. Like the one in the bad neighborhood is more likely to get vandalized or get stuff stolen unless you break the window on the car in the one in the good neighborhood. Then bad things happen. Yeah. This got extended by – most famously I think by uh, Mayor Giuliani in New York to say we're going to crack down on small quality of life crimes and that will have a big impact on other larger crimes and it will generally improve quality of life. So for example, he famously started ticketing very heavily for fare jumpers um, on the subways, et cetera, et cetera. Well, I mean, you know, and and, and in a way this makes sense. I mean, this is is how it turns out works. It turns out works because you go, oh, hmm, that's kind of intuitive and not intuitive and tickles my interest bone. Where you go like, okay, so if you have, I think a classic example would be that if you have a neighborhood where everybody keeps up their house and keeps up their lawn, mm-hmm. people tend to treat it more respectfully. Like if everybody has a nice lawn and everybody, but if you have places that have, where there's lots of broken windows and a car on the lawn, Florida, then you're less likely to have respect for the neighborhood. And I think on some level, especially if you're the kind of person who trims their lawn, you go, hmm, yeah, well, that makes sense to me. I think what happened, the, 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 the octuple turns out was that what was happening with Giuliani, there were other factors. There were some like false or slightly inaccurate correlations with that. And of course, it led to stuff like stop and frisk and, uh, and all these terrible policies that were then declared unconstitutional. So go find that guy on uh, Hidden Brain. You know, the guy does a nice job. It's just that genre. Dan, I've been talking about this for almost 10 years now. Mm. That genre just takes the wind out of my sails. The it's turns not, out genre. It's not good. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to um, – let's – do you have that audio I sent you? I do, yes. I'm going to cue that up? Just have it ready. Okay, it's ready. So um, I'm bringing this up because in a lot of 
uh, in, in a number of conversations offline with uh, offline with people, and recently on a couple podcasts, I've cited this thing that thing I heard Patrick Rothfuss say, and um, so basically Pat Rothfuss, who is a novelist, um, probably best known for his uh, novel Name of the Wind and other things. He does world builders. He's a really interesting guy. He does a podcast with my pal, uh, Max Temkin, called Unattended Consequences. And if you like two guys talking podcasts, it's a really good one. They talk about all kinds of different stuff. And it's a really, it's a show I like a lot because I really love Max. And I, I've, I've met Pat. And he's a really good guy. Um, really good show. But there's something Pat said on this. I went finally and tracked this down with the help of a listener. Uh, tracked down this episode from... This is an un- unattended consequences episode from July 11th, 2016, called Manure Digester. And um, this is in show notes. The time code on this, it's at minute four. You can listen to this. And Dan's going to play about a little under a minute of audio in a minute. But at the top of the show, uh, Max and Pat are talking about trying to get away, like have a little vacation time. And I know this, I know this is tough for, for you and me in similar maybe sometimes different ways. But yeah. how hard it can be to unhook from what you're doing, partly because maybe you're doing your own thing, but also because you feel whenever you're away from what you are meant to be doing, you get this gnawing sense that you're, what, you're being lazy, that you're being unproductive. And this all gets compounded when you see people all around you doing stuff all the time. Right. Putting out, putting out whatever, putting out books, putting out records, putting out podcasts. You see the, you see the finished product of so many people out there and it makes you maybe kind of maybe unintentionally or unconsciously go to this kind of a dark place. So Max was just talking about how he was having a hard time doing this. And then um, this is how Pat responded. Yeah. I don't know. I honestly, I have been hanging out with people and, and spending time with people. And, you know, part of the problem is that you compare somebody else's, on stage to your backstage. So like you look at all these people or you're on Twitter and you're like, wow, so-and-so has a book out or, oh, this project is happening for this person. And it seems like everyone is always putting things out and getting things done. And, um, and so you compare that or uh, like I compare that to what I get done and it doesn't feel like a lot, but that's, like uh, also a weird observer bias. When we compare somebody else's on stage to our backstage, isn't that an interesting way to put it? Yeah, on stage, I mean, backstage. Does, does that does that make sense? Does that work for you? Yeah, it does for me. I mean, it because when you think about you think about this stuff that like everything that. Like Instagram, I think, is the example people use about this a lot, right? (laughs) Is that everything is curated and you're only showing the best moments of everything and it's all very, very staged. And I I have a friend who is an artist and she's very, very talented. And and she will take pictures of the thing that she's working on. And frequently it, it shows a little glimpse of her drawing or painting process and things like that and I, and I love it uh, and I love it because it's like drawing is one of those things that to me seems impossible like I can't oh, it's just magic just magic it's, yeah it, it, when you see somebody who's skilled and and who can paint or who can draw and she's I think she's 
made a, a career for herself now doing this full time. It's, it's quite amazing. Um, and so she'll take this picture, but sometimes she will set her pen or pencil just so on top of the, the drawing showing maybe the pencils that she's using or something, but there's something about the way it's set up that makes it, I, this is only occasionally, but it'll make it look a little bit staged staged and i don't yeah like it's it becomes a kind of meta performance right and i look but i love to not, see not as a criticism right but like when you see that you see somebody knolling all their materials you're like man why don't i know yeah. like you see <laughs> exactly but you but I, I i feel like i know exactly and it's not it's not even like a criticism no because, not a criticism to be honest in today's in today's the way that we present ourselves online has a very performative uh brand-based uh, aspect to it where like part of being an artist like if you're doing a Kickstarter and by the boy don't ask me about Kickstarter at this point I'm never doing another Kickstarter it's been so stressful to me uh. to be invested in two Kickstarters I can't take another survey I'm losing my mind but that's a big part of it like you know like this thing like the, the this is not a conspiracy uh, series like Kirby Ferguson just put out his fourth episode last night but there's like 11 episodes about progress and like that is a big part of what we do like that's a kind of promotion is like here's a snippet of my demo from this but like you, and so that's meant to be this behind the scenes look which it certainly is but that's no less manicured and yeah, crafted yeah. you don't see the messy desk you don't see this sitting up at night and rocking in bed because you're so worried about what <laughs> how this is going to turn out you get to and so you get the perfect product but you or the their idea of a perfect product but then you also have this very manicured idea of what the process looks like and i think that makes us get get to kind of a dark place yeah i mean it really it you look around and you see it's that it's that difficult challenge of looking around and seeing that other people are doing something and it almost feels like well what am i doing you know this this came up I'm, I, so this came up twice in a week. Uh, once I, I was actually, you know, I'll put this in notes. I was on a podcast with listener uh, Brian Moritz where we talked about Hamilton and we talked about writing. And um, that's where this Patrick Rothfuss anecdote came up. But it also came up uh, without saying too much. We had our uh, teacher conference and um, we were talking about how kids, like a kind of a form of perfectionism of like, you know, well, if I, if I can't do this flawlessly the first time I try, I right. probably shouldn't do it. Yeah. And, and again, to, to go back to an old point, it's my feeling that, and I think the, the true definition of perfectionism is not that you keep working on something till it's just right. That, that's the conventional wisdom. I think the real, uh, the real perfectionism that people see in life is just not doing a thing because you, it, it's, to me, perfectionism, perfectionism is not necessarily that I will work on this beyond a reasonable point to make this literally perfect. It's more that, uh, I can't envision this thing being perfect regardless of any effort. So therefore, it is something I will not do. Right. In which case, it becomes a form of, at best, procrastination or at worst, self-hate because you think that – you think that – anyway, so it was during, during that discussion I brought this up and I said that to my child's teacher. At first she was a little bewildered by it because I'm bad at telling stories. But I was like I, – you know, I was like to me that's a little bit like someone sitting there and struggling uh, to produce a slideshow and then watching somebody's TED talk. And yeah. it's like, well, that's what a TED talk is. Like a, a TED talk is the result – of you know whatever these experience, but it's a it's a it's storytelling, which means we leave out a lot of details, and there's a lot of compression, 
right, to the facts that get included. This is not – again, this is not a criticism of people doing polished work. What I'm trying to get out here with, again, Patrick Rothfuss, don't, being careful about comparing your backstage to other people's on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me, if you think – if you that little analogy to me is so powerful because it doesn't – you don't have to, to criticize, discount or, you know – feel jealousy about what other people produce. But I think that's such an important distinction to, to make. Like whether you're drafting something or whether you're you know just not where you want to be with something, I think you have to be careful to not, not compare your current state in the process to what somebody else has finished. And that's, I think that's something that keeps a lot of people back creatively, professionally, whatever they're doing. I know it's true for me. It's, uh, I don't know. I just, I, I feel like, I wanted to mention that here because I thought it was weirdly germane to the kind of stuff we talk about. I also wanted to try and once and for all get the citation correct on it. I wanted to share that with other people. But I just think that's a really interesting idea to keep in mind. It doesn't mean you hate people who put out stuff like that, right. but it means that like you're the one who is deciding on this comparison that's really probably not appropriate. And unless that is helping you, some people are very – there are those people out there who are very driven by deadlines. They're very driven by competition. You think about the famous story of what um, the Beatles put out Rubber Soul. And supposedly, this is not, I mean, again, this is a story. I'm leaving out some reality probably. But, you know, the Beatles put out uh, Rubber Soul. Brian Wilson hears that and goes, oh my gosh, can you imagine what what you can do with rock music now? And so he, you know, you get, you know, Rubber Soul leads to, in some ways to Pet Sounds. Pet Sounds in some ways, you know, leads to Revolver. You know, Revolver in some ways leads to, you know, the Abortive Smile Project. It's like, but it's feeling driven by what's possible in that medium. That's a very, that's a good thing to feel like I've seen a world of possibility and now I see something that I can execute on. But like, if you haven't done a lot of that yet, don't let that stop you. Just because all of those albums exist and are really, really good records, that should not prevent you from picking up your instrument and and banging out a little song. Mm Mm-hmm. That's your backstage for now. And even if that never becomes your onstage, that does not diminish it. And you're going to feel so much better as a person, as, as a practitioner of whatever you do, if you focus on during, doing your thing backstage without worrying whether it's exactly ready to be on stage yet. You know, and I think there's also that some people find it easier to share the things that they're working on or know, I don't want to say it in a, in a bad way, but know how to do it better. And there are a lot of people who are kind of, they're content to just sort of work on the thing that they're working on and it's not a natural thing for them to share it or the way that they decide to share it isn't necessarily the same as the people who are pros at sharing stuff, who can make it sound really good or can make it seem really good or really interesting. You know, like while I was working... Give, give, me, give me an example. I don't know if I have a good example. Um, I probably don't have a good example. Well, like when I was working on Fireside, I didn't, I didn't say very much about it. I still haven't said that much about it, but we talked about it. The most I've said was when you asked me about it a, a couple episodes ago. And it, part of that isn't, it is because I've been really just heads down working on it. But there were a couple of my friends who have success, successful track records of launching things who were saying all along, like, you've got to be building up the hype. You've got to be talking about it. You've got to get people interested. You've got to send e- newsletters you get to get talk about it on twitter and get people pumped up about it and 
And there's that part of me that's like, well, I don't ever want to under deliver something. Oh yeah. And if, if I tell people like right now, if you're to say what's far as that, I can tell you it's like, it's the best podcast hosting and analytics platform anywhere. Like I honestly completely believe that I can say that now, but like, what if it had turned out that it wasn't and I was building things up and promoting it and talking about how awesome it was and getting people excited. And then it didn't, it didn't deliver what I thought was the best thing, or I ran into a problem. I had to delay features or it didn't come out on time or whatever. Right. I don't, I would rather say nothing and come out with something and have it be there and have it take a long time to pick up steam than to promote, 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 and do something that disappoints one person. You know, you know? Oh, no. And I, I know I, that. I, I, totally, I totally know what you mean. But I mean, there's so many um, <clears throat> potential risks to that overhyping approach, a lot of which you just covered. Um, <clears throat> just to give credit to the other uh, co-host of Unattended Consequences, Max Temkin hates it when I pay him compliments. And so he's just going to have to suck it up. Um, he was on a podcast <laughs> one time that I will not link to because it was very difficult to listen to. He got interviewed by this person. <laughs> you can probably find this. Max got interviewed by this person who fancies themselves a consultant on Kickstarter projects. That I think it's a person who like helps you hype up whatever your Kickstarter is and shows you all the, all the hottest 17 tips and tricks to get your <laughs> Kickstarter going. Right. And so, uh, uh, this person invited on the co-creator of, I think, still one of the most successful Kickstarters of all time, who also happens to be a kind of no-bullshit guy, <laughs> which is Max. And it was hard to listen to at points. It's it's how I used to feel. I mean, I'm just I, – it's how I used to feel when I would go on a Tips and Tricks podcast. And I would be like, well, maybe spend less time on your Tips and Tricks and go do your thing. Like, ugh, stop. You're killing me. You're wasting everyone's time with this. But, you know, his approach was very sane and very, very boring. Mm. And it's, it's something that I really admire about many of the Cards Against Humanity various projects, which is that back, their backstage is huge. If to go back to Pat's example, their backstage is like – it's like the, the theater from Synecdoche, New York. There are lots of people. <laughs> you take something, take something like Cars or take something like Secret Hitler or take something like the, that, um, the expansion packs for Trump and Hillary, whatever, whatever it is, buying billboards. There are so many people doing so much work behind the scenes and not talking about it, not to be secretive, but to get this exactly right. And so that way that works for Max is they – they game test the living shit out of everything that they do. They test it mm -hmm. and test it and test it. They play test it. Like we're going to keep just iterating and iterating and, and like bang on this as hard as we can. And they're working so hard. Everybody is su being super critical about that process. That's all happening backstage. And then one day there's a little <laughs> bell and the thing goes up. And they pull back the curtain, and guess what? Now we're on stage with this thing that is going to make your hair curl. And I have so much admiration for that. I've, I've learned for myself that doing too much of that hypey kind of stuff can be really bad for your audience and for you. And, yeah. and in that case, well, here's the secret. Like, don't ask for money for something that's not really a thing yet. 
like, I don't know. I mean, that's my opinion on it. Like in the case of like this fidget cube that I'm ordering from Kickstarter and have to do seven surveys a day for, like, I'll be glad when that thing ships. But it's really, I'm kind of like, you know what, just send me the thing. Like, I don't need to be that engaged. You don't need to keep sending me the updates. Just send me my this is fine, dog. Like, it's fine. Like, I, I, I just, I feel like there's, there is all of this pressure on creators and makers today to be exposing every aspect of the project. And that works. If you know how to work that system, yes, you can absolutely do that. You look at somebody like Jonathan Mann. Jonathan Mann, he's like his whole project is this rolling public thing every day Mm -hmm. for hundreds of days. He's got a new song. They're not all great, but he does it every day. And then some of them, like the freaking ATP song is just in my head like 10 times a day. Oh, God, that song. But so there are aspects to that. But if you see that performative aspect, a part of what you're producing, there's not, there's nothing wrong with that. But I would say, don't take that as an example of like, for example, I believe you can go to I want to say in Paris, there's a Picasso museum, where you can see like a bunch of his like works in progress over time. Really? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. I think my friend Michael went there and said it was really good. It might have been Picasso, it might have been Van Gogh. But I think there's a famous, um, I don't know. I'm not sure what my point of this is, except that Remember that when people are doing that, that kind of is part of the performance. And if you're really enjoying what they're doing by showing you the behind the curtain stuff, consider that maybe they're also really good at the behind the curtain stuff. And that, that does, does, I'm not trying to say that that's cynical or dishonest, but like be careful about knolling too much. Don't knoll too much unless that helps you unless that helps you produce the thing that you want to make. But don't be afraid to have a big and very hard-working backstage before you put it on stage. And I think that's kind of what you're doing with Fireside, and I think that's, I think that's really smart. I just, uh, it's just, you know, it's always been difficult as somebody who's had a few successes and a lot of failures and seen that in other people. There's always something that makes your heart a little heavy when you see people who are struggling because they keep putting themselves up against other people and their successes. And not everybody's success is what it looked like or what it what it seems like. And it's not always forever. And everybody is different. And like just keep doing whatever your thing is in your backstage and you right. will with with any luck, you'll eventually have something you're very proud to put on stage. Nice. Mm. Gotta be a nineties uh. kid to understand these seventeen tips. You won't believe what Seriously. happens next. Hidden brain. <laughs> <laughs> Dan, um, I believe you have something this week that you wanted to tell me about that you like. I do. I want to tell you about Fresh Fresh Box. Fresh Box. You know, they Freshbook sends over talking points. And here's the thing. I don't feel like I need the talking points because I use FreshBooks every single day. I use it all the time. This is how we do all of our invoicing for all of our sponsors, including FreshBooks. I invoice FreshBooks. With FreshBooks. And Ooh. when people invoice The call's us coming for things, from inside the FreshBooks. <laughs> I always prefer... It's FreshBooks all the way down. Oh, my God. It's true. It's true. Do <laughs> you think they invoice themselves? Pre- do, 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 do. <laughs> Sorry. FreshBooks. <laughs> They're going to... Uh, so... <laughs> I have to just run with that. Just go with it. But, you know, like they they really have this thing down. They've got an all new version that's really awesome. And if you think about today, so many people that I know, they are self-employed or they're part of a small company, a small business, or they're starting one. And the part of that, it's really not interesting 
is the invoicing part? Is there anything to do with the accounting? Because most of us, unless, I guess unless your small business is an account accounting business, you probably don't like that stuff. It's, it's kind of not interesting. So anything that takes away that pain point, anything that makes it easier to do uh, is a super, super welcome. And FreshBooks does an amazing job, I think, of making that pain just go away. They've, like I mentioned, they came out with an all new version of their cloud accounting software, which is what lets you do these invoicing, receive invoices, look at, at how you're spending your time because it has time tracking aspects. All of this stuff is built in and you can send these invoices. They look super professional. You can, from, from the get go, like I need to enter a new client, enter in how much we're billing for and send the invoice. It's like 30 seconds to do it. You can take online payments and that'll help you get paid. They've done they've done their A B testing. They've done it and they've showed it four days faster. And that can make can a I, big difference thing I love, if you're independent. One thing yeah. I love is that, you know, it's it's some you know, in old school apps on the web, um, you frequently got a sense that this was not something that the person who made it had to use a lot. And so it'd be like, please fill out the form with all of the fields and make sure all the fields in the form are filled right. out. And with this one, I can't tell you how often somebody says, oh, yeah, just send me an invoice. And I enter in three fields to get their contact info. I have a first name. I have a last name. I have an email address. You don't have to – I mean you want to give it a company name probably for like – you know, but you don't have to put in two different addresses and a fax and all this stuff. Right. Really all you need is an email address. Boom, hit the button. You send an invoice. It's, yep. I love how simple that is. You can do a lot more with that. You can track time against that. You can do projects. There's so many things you can do with it. But if you just want to send out an invoice, you're done in like a minute or two. Yeah, it really, it really is just that easy. And I have been using them for a very, very, very long time. They've never let me down. And you should, you should really check it out. They have a 30-day unrestricted free trial you get all of the features. They in, in in days past, they would do like a limited, like you get like the junior plan or something. That's gone. You get the full unrestricted trial now. If you go to this URL, it's freshbooks.com slash back to work. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. And you enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section. If you don't do that, you'll still get the discount, but you they won't know that you came from us and, and we'll be sad. Hmm. So go to freshbooks.com slash back to work. Enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section and uh, really do go try this out. The next time you need to send an invoice, the next time you want to do some time tracking, any kind of accounting, go check them out. They're wonderful. Freshbooks.com. Thanks very much to FreshBooks for supporting Back to Work with Merlin Man. Buck, buck. No more juniors. <clears throat> now it's all the no They give you the juniors. full Irish. Yeah. Um, I, I should mention a couple things. First of all, I put a link to that podcast I was on with Brian, uh, episode 10 of his, what is the name of his show? It's, it's, kind of funny because it's a sports thing sports media guy uh what's the actual name of his show the other 51 which is a hamilton joke the other 51 is brian's podcast i'm on episode 10 throwing away your shot with merlin man um that's a reference to hamilton so oh. there's that and here's the other thing uh, i i asked pat on uh, the twitter where he got that ex- where he got that backstage versus on stage or you know if there was like a canonical source of that and I just want to clarify, there's a very good chance that he's not the first person who ever said that. I know people are probably going to send me lots of links to lots of things, which is fine. But Pat is not claiming any kind of ownership of having come up with that idea, nor am I. I just thought it was a good example. Your mileage may vary no motorcycles after 3 p.m. Nice. Yeah. 
We could talk about uh, we could talk about watches. We could talk about dark meat. Dark, dark meat. We could talk about dark black, meat. black mold. Or uh, we could go into uh, some of our book recommendations. I mean, we should definitely. I think we should do the book stuff because that's people were so nice to make all those suggestions. Yeah, and there's some I, goodies in here that I'm going to sh- get. Should I reveal what we decided on? Or yes, okay. like right now. Yeah, I mean, oh, you want you want to do a Trump on this? I am the only one who knows the finalists. No, I'll share it. Tremendous. I, I there was a bit of a crunch, a time crunch, because I think I mentioned this that we were um, we were kind of like we had finished the book, and we had spent a night or two reading these other books that he loves, which is um, I think they're like are they called I? It's not I survive, but it's something like. Like there are these historical stories about people who survived horrible events like horrible sudden storms or like people who came out of a, a dust bowl. I mean, all kinds of weird stuff like that. Wow. And, you know, I only want to read that once or twice in a row because it's, you know, it's like, it's not fun. So I was kind of, you know, we'd finished, we had finished the Harry. Oh, and I saw the new, uh, the new movie. Me too. Hmm. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, I like the I like the final final ending. Yeah, the last fifteen minutes of the movie were great. Well, the the part where she comes to the store. I mean, I was oh, so, well. First but, of all, boy, that has got to be the after after a very enjoyable movie that has got to be the stupidest Deus Ex Machina mm-hmm. resolution of a story that I have ever seen on a big screen. Yeah, that was incredibly disappointing. Oh, we're gonna rebuild the city. Uh, mm. Come on, really? That's the you might as well put Patrick Ewing in the shower. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> Don't you think? I mean, wasn't that? I was like when they when they put no spoilers, but you know when the, the, when the you know what you animal, could you could tell every single detail of this movie right now, and not. There would be nothing ruined. No one, you know what I'm saying? It's not. Yes. Yeah. But I just want to clarify, though. I went in. I had a feeling it was not going to be any Prisoner of Azkaban. Mm. I, I like. I like. So here's what I did. I said this to my. I said this to my lady friend. I said I'm, I'm going to take your daughter to the movies here. And here's the thing. I'm going into this with very very low expectations, expecting mostly like wonderful eye candy. And like some fun, you know, theatrical movie making. And that's exactly what I got. I okay. loved the animals. I thought they were adorable. I loved the baker. I love that actor. I thought yeah. he was so great. I he, was in the, the- he was in The Good Wife last night as I'm binging through The Good Wife. He was in an episode of The Good Wife in season six. Oh, that guy's good. I want He's to see good. him other things. He was fun. But, but all that worked great for me. And even we got we got even to like, we're all through it. And I was like, oh man. And yeah, it got a little, a little silly. They they do a lot of like dumb movie things. Like, okay, well, how powerful are people? Like they can do what? And then they get constrained in what way? And yes. that seems really unevenly applied. And all it takes is her showing up. And that guy suddenly stops operating. Like, mm. What? And mm. Like, oh, so now everybody can just apparate and turn into a little ball and fly away. Well, that makes Harry throw up in the books. Oh, okay. So it, everybody it rained on it did that except for this guy and he's got to – come on. But then the ending ending was nice. But I that – you know, I, I, I thought it was good. I'd, I'd say it again. Oh, but yeah. No, I know. It's, <laughs> it wasn't the story part was a little bit thin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, uh, what were we talking about? Doesn't matter. White, white meat? Oh the the uh 
We were talking about the uh, oh the book the books so oh, the book so I needed to uh, I needed to get uh, a book ASAP I need to go ASAP so we went there's a time crunch there was a time crunch yeah and we went to the bookstore the actual physical Barnes and Noble type uh, type situation hmm. and because I had gone in with these wonderful recommendations from our listeners and they had the one I was looking for there. And so, I got it. I got it, and I got the whole set of them. Shall I reveal it? it? Yeah, go ahead and do the reveal. Okay, it is The Lightning Thief, which is- (gasps) That's uh, on our list. Percy Percy Jackson and the Olympians. There are, I believe, five books in the series. Maybe it's four, uh, but I think there's five. And they sell it uh, in a little set- so you can get them all together. It's a little shrink-wrapped box that's nice for it sits up on your shelf, and um, and it uh, jumps right in. And it's first of all, if you remember back to the first Harry Potter book, there is absolutely a sense of youth and innocence to it, especially compared to the last two or three books. Mm-hmm. This doesn't quite have that innocence, if you will. But it is absolutely feels like a younger book. Um, I'm enjoying reading it as a parent, but I think it speaks even more to my almost nine-year-old son in some ways than than uh, the Potter books did. Even though he was very, very into those, this is in it uses more his. Even though I think the character in the books maybe twelve, I think or thirteen, he's young. Hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Percy Jackson is. Uh, I still think that it, it 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 fits in more. It's more like for kids in a way. I don't want to make you think it's not good for adults too, but it's. Whereas I would never describe the Harry Potter books as being for children. I I feel like they're no. not. You know, this that's good seems, to say though. It's good good to clarify. Yeah, yeah. And, but I that's that is absolutely not meant as a criticism. I'm enjoying it, and uh, and we're we're you know ha- half a dozen chapters in, and it, it's it's been it's been fun. Well, let's, if I may credit, I think we might have heard that from a couple of people. I want to credit yeah. lis- listener William. Yep. Uh, listener William wrote in to say, I work front desk and catalog. Oh, Dan, his catalog's got a U in it. Mm. This might mm. be a Canadian or a Brit. Oh, uh, no. I work front desk and catalog in a library, so if I didn't answer this, I'd have to turn in my card. I suggest Percy Jackson and the Olympians by Rick Reardon. First book, The Lightning Thief. Greek big hero stuff, super popular. Yeah, and you know what? I went in uh, to Austin Books and Comics over the weekend because I was selling a few old comic books I found in my in the back of a closet at home. And uh, I went up talking to them, and, and there were a couple people there who were just talking about how great it was, how much they loved it. The whole series is great. There's a second series so this is another one where I'm 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 trying not to do one-off books. I'm trying to get more into into a series of it, and uh, this was a good one. Great. Well, I'm glad I'm glad that worked out. Yeah. Can we go through a few more of these? Yeah, yeah. I'm just going through these in um, some kind of order. They're not really in order. <laughs> listener Mark recommends the and forgive me, I will probably mispronounce many things here. Um, listener Mark recommends the Bartimaeus series. Having listened to the most recent shows, I'd like to recommend recommend Jonathan Stroud's Bartimaeus series. For reading with your son. If you're a fellow fan of the Harry Potter series, I think these are right up your alley. The setting in the Stroud's books is different, but as a young adult series, the books are wonderfully written, lighthearted, and hilarious. And for, just for of interest to your son, the protagonist is a young man. Bartimaeus. Nice. Never heard of that one, but that's, that's a good one. That's in the show notes. You can check that one out. Listener Michael writes in suggesting the Young Wizards series. 
book series suggestion for kids, Diane Duane's Young Wizard series. So You Want to Be a Wizard is the first. Really excellent, exciting books that far preceded Harry Potter. I read the first in middle school in the 80s. Fan of the books just held a convention earlier this year. The Young Wizards series. These are things I have not heard of. I know. Uh, listener Nikki suggests Peter and the Starcatchers, another one I've never heard of. I was listening to this week's podcast, and you were looking for a new book series. Try Peter and the Starcatchers. It is a series in the origins of Peter Pan. I like that. It's a, what you call a prequel. The prequel. Prequel. Too Am first. I doing these too quickly? Should we nope. be discussing these more? No, I like it. Here's one I'm certainly going to butcher. Listener Matt, Chronicles of Pridane, Pridane, P-R-Y-D-A-I-N. The, uh, the restaurateur, Anthony Pridane. Oh, he's that guy who's conflicted, and he travels on CNN. Yeah. Yeah, No Bourdain. reservations. No reservations. <laughs> 999, happy cooks. What to read? This is from listener Matt. What to read after Harry Potter series, a.k.a. Fantasy No Tolkien. My son is 10. Good eater, picky reader. <laughs> Two books that he did get into and stick with are uh, The Martian. Oh, interesting. Wow, good for him. And the first book in the Magnus Chase series by Rick Reardon, again with the Rick Reardon. Now, didn't we hear him earlier? He's the Percy Jackson guy. Are these related to I think they, the... I think that's the second, second series. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, there you go. Yeah. Uh, I remember liking Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles, uh, the first book in the Magnus Chase series by Rick Reardon. And he says, I remember liking Lloyd Alexander's Chronicles of Prydain books back in the day. Not sure how they'd hold up now. Um, you know, in passing, this is something I like to mention. I want to remind you about libraries. You probably know of libraries. They're, there's buildings with books and other media right. and, and, and people peeing in them. Right. Um, just remember. That's, they're sort of like a homeless shelter, but with books. Mm, easy text. You can, uh, you can go to your library and you can get books. If you're like us and have a small sub-branch library – it's so – in our case in San Francisco, the SFPL, it is so easy to order books and within one to five days, if they're not on hold for someone else, they just appear. I really recommend this. My daughter is very into Ripley's Believe It or Not books. Yeah. Which are My very – too. <laughs> she likes them a little too much because basically every single page she calls me into the room to tell me about something. I know. This same. Man, same. Uh, it's like, oh, look at – and it's like it, it is interesting, honey, but they can't all be things that make me get off the bed. <laughs> this man has tattoos of puzzle pieces yes he certainly does yes that is a very very tiny gingerbread house yes his feet are very very big yes everything they own is red and white this is all something we should do later <laughs> she I, I i pulled it up i did a search inside uh the the website and she goes, tick, 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 tick. As we speak, she has 10 books of Ripley's Believe It or Not. Oh, my God. Waiting for her on the shelves. Three weeks of free books. So I'm just going to remind you all, go, go, if you haven't done it in a while, go log into your library site. It might be easier than you think to request these books to related things. A wonderful site called worldcat.org where you can go and search for pretty much anything. You enter in your data, like what's your library system, what's your zip code, and it will tell you where you can find those books and borrow them, usually through directly through the system or interlibrary loan. Another nice thing that I like a lot is called, I want to get the right name here. I think, it's, I think the one I'm using is Amazon Library Search Tool, but there are extensions that you can get, in my case for Chrome, in your case for whatever, where you basically get an extension where you enter in 
your, your information for your library. And anytime you're on an Amazon.com detail page for a single book, it will automatically look up whether that book is available from your library, if it is currently available or has holds on it, and you can just click a button to request it from the library from any Amazon page. So, like, I'm happy to say that my kid is a big reader. I, can, I cannot and will not buy her every book that she wants. That right. needs to be a fun thing. Oh, honey, we'll always find money for books and art supplies. Well, that's going to get costly. So that's a great way to do that. So, so check out your library. Check out WorldCat. Check out um, an Amazon extension for the browser of your choosing. But um, I love that. We use the crap out of our library. I love it, love it, love it. Um couple more okay listener scp recommends the alchemist series i feel like i've heard of this uh i recommend the alchemist series five books by michael scott for dan's son to read have you heard of the alchemist i have heard of it and i feel like i have some information about it that's is complete i have a memory of a memory you got a file card i got a file card that's all i got left hmm that and that white meat. Ah, oh, please. And here's one I think I'm finally gonna go for. It was recommended. I think we mentioned it last week as a recommendation, but just to give it official uh, provenance. Yeah, so th- we did talk about this last week, but I'm gonna mention this because I'm gonna go ahead and I am going to buy this. Listener Andrew recommends his dark materials. Repeating, I, I, forgive me if you heard this last week. You might enjoy listening to the audiobook versions of The Golden Compass, a.k.a. His Dark Materials trilogy with your older kids. Don't be put off by the pretty lousy movie from a few years ago, which, again, I thought was pretty okay good. Not great, but pretty good. They're excellent books. Read by the author with fantastic British actors voicing the characters. The main character is a girl about 10 or 11. Her performance is delightful. Um, I didn't think the movie was terrible, but I am kind of interested in the book. Um, picking up at least the first book. So I think I'm going to do that. His Dark Materials, a.k.a. The Golden Compass. The Golden Compass. Now, that one, I think people are going to like that one. I know it has, I recall it having religious or irreligious overtones. Hmm. Didn't you suggest Didn't you suggest Ender's Game to me? Yeah. Did, did that make it on the list here? No, let's put it in the list. Yeah, Ender's let me, Game. Let me put, I'll put it on there. Say what you will about that guy. It's a heck of a book. He's interesting. He's got a lot of thoughts. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he and the Dilbert guy should get a podcast. The Dilbert guy's entertaining, though. And this guy you is... You think? Really? Yeah. Oh, dear. All this he's, hidden, got a, he's, he's, got, he's got a mania, that guy. A mania, like, a, in what way? I don't think he can control himself. I, don't, I think he's blurty. You know, and and the way that he's turned the whole Donald Trump thing into like being about him is like, ugh. I don't know. You've been following that for the last little while. Oh yeah, I've been following it for the last year and a half. He's like the Gene Munster of Donald Trump. <laughs> I, I had a question about the uh, Apple TV. I said that's a computer joke. There it is, Ender's Game. Ender's Game. Orson Scott Card, Ender's Game, mm. a major motion picture event. In 2001-3. hmm Speaker for the dead. Do you think they should continue beyond Ender's Game? Or should they stop? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I just feel like, you know, there's something we do with um, movies and TV shows that we've been doing for years with, our, with my daughter. And it's worked remarkably well. If there's something that, say, for example, I or my wife and I really like a lot. If there's a movie that, A, we like a lot. And, B, we're pretty dang sure she's going to like a lot. 
uh, we call it the 20 minute test. And we're like, look, you don't have to watch this whole movie, but let's just try the first 20 minutes. If you hate it after 20 minutes, <clears throat> we'll turn it off. And uh, a staggering amount of the time, it takes way less than 20 minutes for her to get kind of into it to where she forgets about the 20 oh, minute yeah, test. Sure. Then we watch a really good movie. It's a little bit of a trick, but it's a little bit of a light at the end of the tunnel thing. You know what I'm saying? Mm hmm. And so I feel that way with books, too. I mean, I, if you're like uh, the John Syracuse's of the world, we'll probably read everything all the way through. But, you know, if you um, you pick up the book, you know, there's that classic kind of stuff you learn in college. Pick up the book. Don't worry so much about the cover. Read the flap. If there's a table of contents, read the table of contents. If it's a thing that contains a lot of maps and a lot of appendices, make sure you're the kind of person that likes reading books with lots of maps and appendices, you know? talking about the ring book here oh, yeah. like you know you can tell a lot about whether you're going to dig a book by just just jumping in i mean i knew from the first sentence of 100 years of solitude that it was probably going to be one of my favorite books as he yeah. faced the firing squad colonel aureliano buendia remembered that distance distant day that his father took him to discover ice was that from memory yeah i probably got it wrong hmm. boy that's a hell of a book I tried reading it with my daughter, but it wasn't a go. Hmm. She's not into the Marquez. Uh, so that's a bunch. Now, I have some odds and sods. Today, uh, we got up early. We had a garbage pickup. We were up early, and I said, hey, honey, uh, do you have anything that you would like to recommend to kids who listen to the show? So here's kind of give you some of my daughters. Yeah. These are straight from her. Um, let's see. These are all in show notes. Um. Oh, you know, a great book for kids that was gifted to me from JXPX eleven thirty eight and his lady friend. Wonderful kid book for kids called Gabby and Gator. That's a that's a mm. recommended book for like littler kids, for kids of about our kids' age. You know, say what you will. The Diary of a Wimpy, Wimpy Kid books are pretty fun, and they're they're really easy to read, and they got pictures. That is, you know, not not my favorite series of books in the world, but kids really like them a lot. She loves those books. One that I can really give my 100% positive okie dokie to are the, what are the, what's the official name of the series? I think they're called the I am books. Also known as something like ordinary people can change the world. This is a series of books that every single one of you needs to look into, even or especially if you have kids. These are books by Brad, uh, written by Brad Meltzer, illustrated by uh, Christopher Eolopoulos, who also did some work on Hawkeye. He was the letterer for Hawkeye. These are wonderful books about American historical figures who face some kind of a difficult thing in their life. So you got Jane Goodall, George Washington, Martin Luther King, Amelia Earhart, uh, Helen Keller, Lucille Ball, Albert Einstein, Jackie Robinson, Rosa Parks. We own every single one of these. Oh, yeah. And just this morning, we gave three away as a birthday present at school. These books are fantastic. They're kind of they're, – they're sort of the, the look of them, Chris's look is – I love his look – Oh, and they're just they're full of Easter eggs. If if you know anything about Chris and his universe, he's a great guy. Follow him on Twitter. There's tons of Easter eggs that I won't spoil for you, but there's great Easter eggs in every book of like characters from comics and people you know from the world. But these books are I don't know, they're really moving. We started with the Abraham Lincoln book. This is the Amelia Earhart book is the book that got my kid really excited about Amelia Earhart. Have you seen these books? I have. I've only, I've not seen all of them, but I've seen um, like the Abraham Lincoln one, and uh, I think a couple of the other ones. Muhammad Ali had one. Did no, I don't think one? so. Jackie, Jackie Robinson, the Rosa Parks one is really good. Um, 
But I would say maybe you might want to start with the Lincoln book. It's it's pretty great. The Rosa Parks book is great. Um, but no, these are just wonderful. I hate to be a preachy liberal because um, that hasn't worked for us that well so far. But <laughs> but it's these are really really wonderful, like warm books, great stories, wonderful illustrations, and they're not they're not preachy, but it's a real nice way to have things to talk about. You know, like here you see Rosa Parks, like little Rosa Parks. And, oh, and all the kid, all the people are portrayed as little kids. So, <laughs> so little Albert Einstein, even when he's a baby, has the crazy hair. You know, Amelia Earhart <laughs> has her flight cap. It's they're really, really delightful books. Hi, Chris, if you ever hear this. Um, so those are highly recommended from my daughter and uh, from me. Um, one she's reading right now, uh, The Giver, she's really enjoying. I think that's considered, I don't know, kind of a classic uh, kids' book. Yeah. We've got, you a got copy any others? Of that. Um, others you want to mention? You know, I, I, a bunch of people were suggesting uh, Lemony Snicket, Series of Unfortunate Events. Oh, yeah. We never read them. I loved those. I absolutely loved reading them. And, um, and we just had a whole lot of fun talking about them outside of. Uh, outside of the reading because there's there are constant mysteries that are being solved within them whereas again back to like a potter book you've got kind of a one or two major threads of things that are happening in the book this these have dozens in them little little puzzles that are solved little things that are figured out little solutions to to lots of uh, crazy mysteries that are unveiled as you continue to read and read and it's told in a very um a very kind of interesting style it reads, they're fun to read. And when I say that, I don't mean fun to sit and read. I mean fun to read aloud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because word choice is really, is really good and fun. So I highly recommend those books. We devoured those books. Uh, and and they were great. They were great for me as an adult reading it. And they were great, I think, uh, for him to read as well. And it's a good time to get into those because in a couple of months, um, they are going to be releasing, Netflix has done a series based on these books and it uh it 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 looks uh Neil Patrick Harris is playing um Count Olaf wow cool and he is looks amazing in it i think he's going to be perfect for the part one of my complaints about the movie uh was that Jim Carrey played it very Silly, almost slapstick, which is what he does, and he does so well. But luckily, he really killed it with uh, the uh, the Grinch movie. Oh yeah, and, and I thought he was great, and the, the best. <laughs> I was kidding. I know it's not a good movie, um, but in this, he I thought he was great, and it was fun, and it made the movie funny. But in the books, the books are very dark, and uh, the way that um, it seems like Neil Patrick Harris is playing it is a little bit darker than Jim Carrey did in the movie. And, um, you know, his, this is a character who maybe, maybe is redeemable, maybe not, but that at the end of the day, like he does try to kill people and in some cases does kill them. And it's, it's not like when a character might die in a Harry Potter book, it's not quite like that, but terrible things do happen. And so there is a little bit of darkness, but there's still a lot of humor and a lot of fun. And so if you, if you're wanting to, what, you know, I love when there's a movie that you can see or something that you can see that's an adapt adaptation from the novel. This is a good time. If you want to read it, then you know that you not only have the movie, but uh, which is, which is completely different from the books, 
uh, but you have this new series that looks to be relatively connected to it. And the, the trailer that just came out last week is very, very good. And it almost has a Wes Sanderson-ish vibe to it, using sort of a vibrant colors and, and a lot of center shots and things like that. So I'm, I'm looking forward to watching that. Another one that I apologize if I missed it on the list is The Chronicles of Narnia. Did I miss that one? Oh, yeah. Uh, sure. I, I don't think it, I didn't see it on the list, but that's, that's a, a great That's one. a good one, too. And I, I've talked about that before, probably too much. But I love those as a kid. I did, yeah. too. I remember reading them when I was about 10 or 11. And I think, I think it was at that age where I was starting to transition away from mom reading to me to me reading on my own. And so I think she read like the first couple. And then I, I think I picked up and read the remaining ones myself. But I still have vivid memories of that. So another, another big recommendation. Excellent choice. And then what the, the test? What's the Tesseract book? The one with the Tesseract in it. Oh, I'm I not. I'm this. not testing you. Oh, I know this. It's no, no, but it's. Oh, I'm looking it up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Four dimensional hypercube. You People know. People are screaming. Wrinkle in time. Wrinkle in I time. think that should be on the list. That's on the shelf right now. That's on how our adult shelf is right that? Now. A wrinkle in time. Her um her really good friend uh, Pen- Penelope read it and really liked it, and she's she's a smart kid, but she's you know eight or nine. She liked it, she liked it a lot. I've I've heard great things about that. I've never read it. I wonder if you'd like it. I, I want to hear. I want you to read it. I want to hear if you like it. I think she'll probably read it. That was one of the books along with Ender's Game, which she hasn't read yet. But that's one. I, I sometimes I'll just buy her books and like leave them around. Like oh yeah, whatever. Do you want to read that? Yeah. <laughs> Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. Yeah, whatever. Does she like to read on her own? Like, will she just sit and sit and read a book? Uh, yeah. I mean, yeah. that's all she does. I mean, it's, I have this really mixed feelings about like, she just, <laughs> she does not want recess. Just let me read the book. And then that's like, like last great. night I, I got home from recording with Syracuse and she heard me and I popped my head in and she just, just tucked into, um, the giver. Like, and she was like 20 pages into that. Like she's, yeah, she loves reading by herself. I had a really weird, so two quick things. Um, I wanted to mention that. The extension I'm using in Chrome for the library stuff, just to clarify, oh, yeah. it's called Libra- Library Extension. It's libraryextension.com. You can get it for Chrome. I don't think they have it for Safari, but you'll find one that works for you. I also have a really, really weird left field one. This is not really appropriate for children unless your kid's weird. <laughs> if your kid is weird and you're willing to like pre-read to see if it's appropriate, I love the work of Edward Gorey. Oh, Edward yeah. Gorey, so like we've been reading the Gashley Chrome Tinies you know, <laughs> what's N is for Neville who died of ennui, you know, awesome. <laughs> S is for Susan who perished from fits. Like it's so dark and so weird. But if you've got a little April Ludgate uh, in your house, uh, th- these are, I would say, pick up Amphigory, pick up Amphigory just for yourself and see if there's anything in there your kids might like. Cause it is really dark. All the little bugs ganging up on the other bug. Like they're, they're, they're very well done and very, um, very distinctive. Uh, Edward Gorey. Amphigori, which includes actually, I think, gosh, Amphigori includes many books, including the Gashley Chrome Tinies. I think probably very, don't you think somewhat influential on um, Lemony Snicket? Oh, absolutely. On Lemony Snicket. I think it influential on uh, a lot of Tim Burton stuff, maybe. Oh, yeah. Kind of like um, 
It looks like something from the 19th century. It's wonderful. I remember I was reading something from him where uh, someone was quoted in a newspaper saying, you know, it's too bad he's not still alive. And he like wrote a response. He's like, I am quite alive. Thank you. This is modern. But it it looks like almost like something from hundreds of years ago. It does. Like etching, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. He's got a very dark sense of humor, but uh, that's good. I think we've given people a lot of good stuff to, to think on. Yeah. And let's just remind people that all of this is available in show notes. So you can go to 5x5.tv slash B2W slash 299. 299. Yeah. And go to your library. Go. Ignore the smell. Oh, come on. It's not that bad. It does have a smell. It's bad. I think libraries make people want to poop. I think that's part of the problem. There's something about a book smell that makes people want to poop. Uh, I don't we'll have know to explore that, that in uh, in a future episode. We also still got to talk about watches. Do we? Do we probably, yeah. yeah, I think we should probably keep this one short. We helped yeah. a lot of people in this one. Happy Thanksgiving! Oh, thank you. You too. May uh, may all of your uh, meat be dark. You know, as a head of the household, I guarantee you that will happen. <laughs> <laughs> mm. All right, let's button this up. I love you. Love you too, Merlin Man.